Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. Today, we are again shining the spotlight on a particular career and talking about how math is involved in this particular career. What we are talking about today is being an arbitrage trader. This is something in the finance sector. I'm not going to explain it myself exactly because I'm going to let my guest do that, Jasper Rivers. And Jasper was an arbitrage trader, I believe, for about six and a half years, maybe seven years, somewhere in that time frame. And he started out in Holland, also worked in the U.S. in Chicago and for quite some time. I know he was really good at it, really enjoyed it while while he did it. And he was al- he's always been a huge math guy. He's now since left that field and he's been doing a bunch of other things since then. He's been traveling a lot. He's written some books. He's you know, he's done all sorts of stuff, but he is here to talk about that particular career and it it's a very lucrative career and it allowed him a lot of great opportunities, allowed him to to purchase his first home in Amsterdam. And, and do a lot of amazing things in his life. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Jasper Rivers to the show. Jasper, how's it going? Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's going pretty well. Sweet. So Jasper and me are very, very good friends. We've done a bunch of things together. We have written a book together, among among other things. So obviously, we know each other super well. But the audience doesn't know you. People who are listening don't know you. So Jasper, why don't you rewind the clock and take us back to university, where did you study, and what did you study, and how did you get into arbitrage trading? Sure, uh, I went to university in Holland uh, in a town that's called Groningen, which is very hard to pronounce if you're not from Holland. Um, you're welcome to give it a try. Groningen. <laughs> uh, it's not bad. Uh, anyway, uh, I studied uh, econometrics. Uh, I've always been into economics and mathematics. And econometrics is pretty much a combination of economics, mathematics, and statistics. So I found it really interesting. And it was not very easy. It was a pretty tough study. Uh, but uh, you know, I managed to uh, plow through. And um, I wanted to get a good job. I wanted to make a lot of money. That was kind of what my goal was at that t- at that point in time. And so I uh, I heard about this this trading job, and I heard people were making a lot of money with it. So I thought, you know, let's let's give it a go. And uh, I applied, and I immediately got hired. And so, t- can you tell people what does it mean? What is an arbitrage trader? What does that mean? So arbitrage basically means doing two transactions and making a profit without there being any risk. So as an example, imagine that imagine that there's a uh, shoe shop next to your house where you can buy a pair of shoes for a hundred bucks. And then imagine down the road, there's another shoe shop that buys shoes. And let's say that they buy the exact same shoes for $110. 
So that means that you could go to one shoe shop, buy the pair of shoes for 100 and directly sell it to the other shop for 110 and you make $10. Now that's, that's an arbitrage because it's basically a riskless investment. You know, you're investing $100 in the shoes, but you, you're already guaranteed to make a profit on it. So that's basically what arbitrage is. And, you know, arbitrage opportunities are fairly rare because obviously if, if, if it exists, then people will take advantage of it. But in the financial markets, people do. People do take advantage of price differences. Now, you might ask, well, how can you do an arbitrage in the financial market? Because, you know, uh, if you look at a stock, there's only one stock, right? Who's going to, like, buy it for higher than, than somebody else bought it for? I mean, it's, it's the same stock. Well... Not really, because some stocks are listed on different exchanges. So, for example, let's take Royal Dutch Shell, which is a big uh, oil company. It trades in Amsterdam, it trades in London, but it also trades in New York. Now, in Amsterdam, it trades in euros. In London, it trades in pounds. And in New York, it trades in dollars. But the shares are essentially the same. If you buy either of these shares, you get the same rights, you get the same amount of dividend, you just get it in a different currency. However, imagine that somebody in New York buys a lot of these shares, then the price in New York will go up, but the price in London or Amsterdam doesn't necessarily go up at the same time. And so what arbitrage traders do is they continuously watch all three of those stocks, and as soon as there's a price difference they take advantage of that price difference by selling the more expensive stock and buying the cheaper stock. Now, obviously, you have to adjust for the exchange rate. So while after doing that trade, you also have to hedge your currency because you, you get a currency exposure from it. But that's essentially, uh, in a nutshell, what arbitrage trading is. Wow, that is really interesting. It seems very complex. So you're watching you're watching different spikes of sales in one one market versus another market and then you have to adjust for the currency. But also I would imagine if you have a sharp spike in let's say let's say deflation in a particular country or let's say like a sharp all of a sudden the value of the euro jumps by a percentage or two relative to other currencies. That would in and of itself maybe would that create an arbitrage opportunity as well? Absolutely, absolutely. Changes in the currency can also create opportunities. You're absolutely right. Now, that's why, for example, when there's economic news coming out, you know, it often there's often a lot of opportunities right after the news comes out because the you know the prices still have to adjust. Uh, but in reality, this this goes really really fast. You know, you got to imagine that uh, you know, every stock that where there's like multiple listings and there's a lot of volume. Multiple parties are are looking at these stocks, and and these days they're using uh, electronic uh, trading platforms. So, you know, we're talking about split seconds. We're talking about milliseconds here. When when the price is out of line, it it immediately gets pushed back into line in by these uh, trading algorithms. So that's why you you don't see a lot of opportunities anymore. Um, it's it's all about making very very small margin and doing a lot of volume. You know, back in the day when I started, we were still doing manual trading. So you would literally, you know, you would type in an order on your computer and you would, uh, you know, you would enter the order manually. Now, as you can imagine, you know, you're, it's a lot slower to do it manually than if the computer does it. And so I remember, 
in my first year, sometimes you know there would be huge price differences between two stocks that were essentially the same. It was literally like there was just money lying around on the screen. You could, I, I remember one time I was trading Nokia, the mobile phone uh, uh, company, and they had earnings. So the, the the figures were just released. So the you know the the profit and the and the revenue etc. So that's a that's a big event, you know. And then the price collapsed, and I was just a, a rookie at the time, and I was just looking at my screen, and you know it seemed like the price in one market was like half a euro different than the price in the other market. I, I wasn't sure if I was seeing it right because you know that's half a euro per stock is huge, right? And so. I thought I, I thought it was right. I thought I, I saw it correctly. So, you know, I I bought like forty thousand shares, and then I sold forty thousand in the other market, and then I made like twenty thousand euros like in an instant. And I I, I was kind of shocked uh, uh, at the time because I'd literally just come out of my training. But uh, you know, those, those opportunities existed back then. But now the the computer algorithms, the machines, they you know they they all keep it pretty much in line. So is it now nowadays is it h- harder to be an arbitrage trader or is it is it that the arbitrage traders have now developed better technology so it's still roughly it's still a good field? No, I mean it's it's definitely still a good field. It's just the the way that they trade is differently. Um, when you're an arbitrage trader now, what you're doing is you're putting parameters in an automatic trading machine. You're basically teaching the computer. You're telling the computer how to trade, and um, and so what will happen is that, you know, there won't be huge opportunities in terms of price difference. The price differences will, you, you'll be talking about like a few cents difference, right? Let's say one stock trades $2 cents higher in the US than in Europe, right? That's $2 cents. But if you do 100,000 shares, then you're still making, uh, you're still making uh, $200, right? Mm-hmm. $2,000, sorry. So... Two cents on a hundred thousand shares is two thousand dollars, so that's still that's still a lot of money. If you can do ten of those trades, then you're making twenty thousand dollars. You know, but but if you look at the screen, then you know you probably you might not even notice the difference, right? Because it's just a couple cents. I see. So this sounds like it must be, I imagine, a tough field to get into. A lot of people want to get into it. What is it? How did you get into the firm in the first place? What was the job application process like? Well, the application process was very simple. They gave me free tests. And I remember I showed up with, there was 11 other people there. It was the 12 of us. The first test was eight minutes. And what we had to do, we had to do fairly simple calculations. But we had to do them really fast. And every mistake that you make, you you got minus two. You got one point for every answer that you got correct. And then you got minus two for a mistake. And then I think there was 80 questions and you had to get up to like 60 points or something. So basically what it came down to is like you had to be very, very accurate and very fast, uh, and which is which is makes sense because that's basically while you're trading, that's basically also what you have to do. When you're trading, you have to be very fast and you have to be very accurate. So if you make a small mistake, if you like if you're off by a zero, <laughs> you know, that, that could cost a lot of money. And that's happened to me, actually. I've made mistakes that have cost me like 10,000 euros, you know, which is uh, which is quite a lot of money to for for a silly mistake, right? 
So you got to be like very accurate. You got to be very fast. Now, after I did those eight minutes, I was the only one who was invited to take the second test. All the 11 other people, they were all sent home. So their their job application lasted for eight minutes, basically. <laughs> All right, and then and then what were the second and the third tests like? The fr- the second test was um, was a different type of test. It was a uh, it was number sequences, right? You have to you have to um, you have to predict like what the what the next number is going to be. So, for example, a very simple example would be one three five seven question mark. Right now, and what what do you, what do you think the question mark would be? So that's that's an arithmetic sequence. So it'd be nine. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a simple one. Uh, but I remember uh, there was 30 of those sequences and they were so difficult. They were really, really difficult. I remember looking at the first one and I was just thinking, uh, what? <laughs> I have no idea. But uh, I, I, ended, I ended up getting uh, 21 points, which, which was uh, exactly the, the amount that you needed, the score that you needed to get through to the third test. And then the third test was also calculations, but it was a little bit more complex. You know, where you have to do like uh, divide by 0.06 uh, and and with a lot of, um, how do you call them? Like one over three, one over five. What do you call those things? Fractions. Fractions, yeah. So a lot of like fractions and that was a little bit more difficult, but then also you got a little bit more time to do the exercises. But in the end, uh, I, I, I just passed it was pretty close. Just to clarify for anybody listening, Jasper is pretty much a math wonderkind. The only reason why he doesn't know the name for fractions is, of course, because he's he grew up in Holland. So obviously he knows it in, in his native language. But yeah, so just so there's no misunderstanding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because you're, you're right. Like in school and at university, I always I, I was always one of the best in math. So I, you know, I didn't. Uh, study or I didn't practice before taking this test because I had taken a test before with a trading firm, a different trading firm. But at the time I was still studying, so I wasn't going to apply. But uh, you know, I just took it for fun because my buddy worked there, and I completely aced it. So I was very confident going into this test. But the company that I applied for was the best trading company in Holland, and I think right now they're they're one of the best trading companies in the U.S. as well. The company is called Optiver. And so you know, their test was significantly more difficult. And I, I didn't expect that. You know, I just showed up. I thought I was going to ace it. And then when I, you know, when I saw the first couple exercises and I saw how, how little time we had, I got a little bit nervous, actually. Uh, and I kind of regretted that I didn't do any uh, exercises. I didn't practice for the test. But yeah, you're right. I mean, the the, the Optifer test is uh, is very difficult. Uh, if you Google Optifer test, you'll you'll see a lot of people talk about the test on the forums in the US as well, and people are you know generally saying that it's very hard. So what you've said so far, obviously, math is a huge part of the hiring process, and and that's what we I want to talk about now is how is math involved in the job. So just to even get into the door, your math abilities with sequences with basic arithmetic and with some other more complex equations, all that stuff had to be on point, 100%. But now talk a little bit about how you how you used math on a daily basis while trading. Yeah, so there's two aspects, I would say. There's two ways that you use math. First of all, during, tr- during trading, you don't have to do very 
difficult calculations, but you have to do s simple calculations very fast and you have to be very accurate. And, and that's represented uh, in the way that they, like I said, like making a mistake is, can be very costly. So, you know, for example, um, a lot of trading, the, the type of trading that I did with the, with the arbitrage trading, it's uh, a lot of things are expressed in percentages. And so, you know, you'd say that one stock is trading like 10 basis points or 20 basis points over the other. And a basis point is uh, one hundredth of a percent. So it's it's one divided by 10,000. That's a basis point. And so, you know, you have to be able to do quick calculations that, that are not very difficult, you know, but you got to do them fast and you got to do them accurate because if you have somebody on the phone and the person offers you a deal, uh, you got to be able to quickly calculate, okay, how much money am I making, right? You got to quickly understand that if, if, if you set up uh, uh, like, a, like a spread where you buy one stock and you sell the other, because arbitrage, I was also doing like um, relative value trading, which basically means that you, you take two stocks that are in the same sector and then you expect them to sort of move together over time because it's the same factors that sort of drive the, the price. And um, and so you would you would talk about the the price difference in terms of percentages, and you would have to calculate oh if this if this uh, spread is going against me like one percent or two percent how much money would I lose you know you want to be able to assess your risk, so I would say for the trading itself you don't need to do very difficult calculations but you got to do them fast and you got to be accurate. Now there's another aspect of trading which is coming up with strategies. And that's where it gets a little bit more complicated because now, you know, you can, as a trader, you're, you're pretty much, at least at my company, I was, I was free to develop any sorts of strategy that I wanted. And so, you know, you're, you're constantly trying to find relationships between different stocks and between different factors. You're trying to figure out what drives the stocks. You're doing, uh, you know, correlation and regression analysis. Uh, you're, uh, you know, and, and that gets a lot more complicated, right? You, you could even uh, think about like probability theory as well. Like what's the chance that this bet is going to work out in my favor? What's the chance that it will go wrong? What's the payoff? What's the expected value? And so there it gets a little bit more complicated. And so if people are listening in and let's say let's say a student or even a parent of a student listening in and saying you know this sounds like something i would be interested or my child might be interested in what are your recommendations right now in school like what would you say that they should really be emphasizing going forward as far as skills that they need to be cultivating well the first thing i would recommend is to stop using calculators I love it. I love it. You know, because using a, if you don't use a calculator, you force yourself to constantly use your brain to to do these these simple calculations. You know, and um, if you don't train your brain, then you're not gonna you're not gonna develop the skill, right? So that's the first thing I'd, I I would suggest. And then um, I would say uh, maybe um, do some exercises every now and then. Do some number sequences. Do some. Uh, once a week, maybe uh, you have these programs uh, where that generate like random um, calculations. You know, just practice, especially like if, if you're actually going to apply and, 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 and do the test like later on, you definitely want to practice a couple months ahead, you know, do some practice every day. 
but uh, if you're still in school, then obviously that's that's still pretty far away. But I, I would say just make it a habit to to train your brain on the on a regular base. Maybe download some iPhone games or something where you have to do some calculations as part of a game. Now, those are the things that over time will uh, you know will will grow your uh, calculation muscle. Awesome. I love it. And I tell my kids all the time, put the calculator away. You can do it and you can break down even two digit times two digit multiplication problems for kids that sometimes it seems a bit stifling, but you can do it if you approach it the right way. And with practice, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to think about it as either a natural affinity or it doesn't exist. It can be developed. So that's amazing advice. Thank you so much, Jasper, for joining us. I hope everybody out there that was listening, that was useful, that was helpful. It was super interesting for me. I hope it was for you too. Jasper, if people want to get in touch with you, ask you questions, how can they do that? Um, well, I'm, uh, I do have a, I have a travel blog, The Traveling Dutchman, that people can uh, look at if they want to find out more about me. Uh, feel free to send me an email at uh, jasperrivers at gmail.com, which is J-A-S-P-E-R and then R-I-B-B-E-R-S at gmail. Awesome. All that stuff will, of course, be in the show notes. You can check it out there. Jasper has also written a book with me. Uh, would you like to plug that? Sure. Get paid for your pad. So if you're interested in Airbnb hosting, if you're in school, you're probably you're probably still living with your parents. So I imagine, uh, but you know, you're not in that position yet. But um, but yeah, every if you want if you're interested in Airbnb hosting, go ahead and uh, check it out. Getpaidforyourpet.com. Awesome! Thank you guys so much for joining. And again, the show notes can be found at www.scalerlearning.com. And if you have any questions or comments for me, would love to hear from you. Email me at huzefa at scalerlearning.com. Would love to hear from you. Again, for the rest of the summer, remember, new episodes are dropping every day. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast if you want the latest and greatest info on all things related to education. Thank you guys for joining. See you all next time. Take it easy.